usually it comes to me in one word. And usually God gives me one word, a one word description for the coming year. One word that describes to me what God wants to take place in my congregation in the coming year. Are you ready for the word this morning? I believe that I have a word today. I believe that I have direction for the coming year. I do believe that God did speak to me at the end of the, this past year. I believe that God did give me a one word description for the coming year. And are you ready to receive that word this morning? The word that I believe God gave to me for the coming year for this church, the word for 2013 is, are you ready? You're not ready. Are you ready? Some of you still aren't ready. Are you ready for the word this morning? I believe the word is preparation. The word for 2013 for this local assembly is the word preparation. 2013 will be a year of preparation. Now the good news is, I believe with all of my heart that God has some unbelievable, indescribable plans for our church. I'm the only one that believes it. I said, I really sense and believe it's in my heart, it's in my spirit today. I genuinely believe that God has incredible, unbelievable plans for us for the coming year and for the coming years. That's the good news. The bad news is we're not ready. Good news is God has an incredible plan. Good news is God wants to do unbelievable things in and through us and in and through our church. The bad news is we're not ready. There are two things that we need to prepare. It's in your notes this morning. You'll find them on the back of the bulletin. Two things that we need to prepare. Number one, this morning we need to prepare our hands. We need to prepare our hands. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10 says, Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all of your might. I love what Proverbs chapter 6 verse 6 through 11 says, especially in the Message Bible. It says, you lazy fool. <laughs> You think I'm hard. I'm nothing. You lazy fool, look at an ant. Watch it closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. Wow, we're going to learn from an ant? You lazy fool, look at an ant. Watch it closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has to tell it what to do. All summer it stores up food. At harvest it stockpiles provisions. So how long are you going to laze around doing nothing? Don't you love it? How long are you going to laze around doing nothing? How long before you get out of bed? A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this, you can look forward to a dirt poor life, poverty, your permanent house guest. <laughs> gotta love it, just gotta love it. Amen. Well, we need to take a look at our hands today. 
We, we need to take a look at what God has placed in our hands. And I believe that we have some incredible assets that God has given to us. And he gave them to us for a purpose and he expects us to do something with what he has provided and what he has placed in our hands. In Mark chapter 6, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, Mark chapter 6 is the, it's the pastor's friend. It, 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 is, it is just so full. Of material. But in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44, the story is told, and you know it very well. Maybe it's the story you know better than any other story, at least in the New Testament. And it's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 families all you can eat fish and chips. All he's got is a little boy's lunch pail, and all it contains is five loaves and two fish. You know the story very, very well, but let's read it one more time. Mark chapter 6. Verses 30 through 44. says that the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things. Both what they had done and what they had taught. And Jesus said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and let's rest for a while. For there were not many coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. I mean, no, when a bunch of preachers don't even have time to eat, they're too busy. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, Jesus, and they ran on foot from all the cities, and they arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, Jesus was a long-winded preacher. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, said, Lord, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Lord, you preached past noon today. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread. They have nothing to eat. But Jesus answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. So then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed, and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them, and the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. And those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. Before Jesus did anything about this situation, he first made preparation. 
And there are four things. There's a lot more, but I only have time and don't really even have time. But I, I, I'm going to take time this morning for four things that Jesus did in this story. Four things that I believe that we can learn from Jesus as we walk through this coming year of preparation. The things we can learn from Jesus as he prepared, we can learn and make our preparation. Now let me say this this morning, if you are the leader of any ministry in this church, whether it be children's ministry or youth ministry, Royal Ranger or Impact Girls or Ladies Prayer or Cultivation or Connection or, or, or Worship Team or on and on and on it goes, I want you to listen up this morning and I want you to take some notes and I want you to learn from the preparation of Jesus. I'm talking about preparing our hands right now. I'm talking about being good stewards of the provision that God has already provided us with as well as the unbelievable provision that is on its way. God has already planned to place unbelievable provision and potential in our hands. The question is this morning, will we accept his challenge to make preparation for what's coming. If you don't mind this morning, I want to borrow a phrase from uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Let me just mention in passing four things Jesus taught in this story about preparation. Four things that you and I need to do in order to get prepared for what God wants to do. The first thing we need to do, and it's found in this story, is we need to discover what we have. Discover what we have. Before the 5,000 families were fed, Jesus first said to his disciples, hey, he said, hey guys, go among the crowd and see what we've got to work with. Amen. You see, God doesn't need a lot, but he does need something. And it doesn't matter what that something is. It just so happened to be that it was five loaves and two fish that day. But the amount didn't matter. How many understand that if there were only three loaves and one fish? Or if there were 13 loaves and 27 fish, the amount did not matter. God doesn't need a lot, but he does need something to work with. As we begin this year of preparation, we need to take a look in our hands and discover what we have. Now let me pause again this morning just for a second and say that what I am preaching and what I am teaching this morning, not only will it work for us as a church body, but it will also work for us as individuals. And the question is, what do we have? Well, I don't have the time to get bogged down this morning in listing all of the assets that we have as a church body, all of the things that God has placed in our hands. But let me mention just a few. We have a unified church family with over 500, with over 500 adherents. Over 500 people. I didn't say we we're running 500, but there's over 500 people that call this church their home church. We have a unified and high quality pastoral staff in place. That would have been a good place for an amen. We have a unified and dedicated board of deacons. Amen. We have some very consecrated and effective ministry leaders in place. We have a very strong financial base 
to work with. We have an incredible dream of giving $1 million to missions. Oh, oh to, to see 3 million souls saved through the investment of this money and to reach this dream in the next five years. Hallelujah. We have a new church building being built right next door. 25,000 square feet, 600 seat auditorium, the latest and greatest in design. We've got a new name coming, the Grace Place. We have a new vision statement coming. Caring people. Caring for people. When I look into the hands of this church, when I discover what God has and is and will place in our hands, I don't know about you this morning, but I cannot help but get excited. Amen. I cannot help but believe that God is up to something great. Notice the next thing we can learn from Jesus about preparation. That is determine what we need. We need to discover what we have, but then we need to determine what we need. Jesus surveyed the crowd and he determined the need to be about 5,000 hungry families. As I survey our situation and our future, I determine our need to be several things. First of all, I, I determine our need is that we need money to pay for our new facility. And the immediate financial need is to furnish the new facility. Uh, once it is completed, furnish it with chairs and furniture and appliances and sound and light and on and on and on the list goes. But we're not going to talk about money today. Really expected a good amen there. As I determine our needs, I, I determine that a bigger building will no doubt bring a, bitter, a bigger crowd. Yes. Amen. A bigger crowd will demand more workers. Amen. I determine one of our needs will be that some of our spectators will need to be turned into participators. And some of our shirkers will need to be turned into workers. <laughs> Ministry leaders need to begin some special recruiting. Amen. Now. Hallelujah. And then special training. Amen. To broaden your base of workers in preparation for the people that will be sent to us by God. But listen, he will not send them to us unless we are prepared to minister to them. The third thing that I determined that we will need is the greatest need of all, and that is the need for grace. If we are going to be the grace place, then we better have some grace. We better become people of grace. We'll talk more about that in point two of the message today. The next thing we need to learn from Jesus is develop a plan. Jesus developed a plan of action. 
Go, go see what we've got to work with. Go gather up all the resources and the assets. Go see what's in our hand. Go see what we've got. Gather up everything we have to work with, guys. While they're doing this, the rest of you start organizing this crowd. We've got to get this mass. We've got to get this multitude of people. We've got to get them organized. Organize the crowd, guys. Hey guys, I need you to divide the people into smaller groups so they can be so that they can be better and easily cared for. He had a plan. And I'm going to take this five loaves and two fish that you have presented to me and I'm going to break it off and I'm going to give it to you, each one of you twelve disciples. And then I need you to take what I have broken off for you and I need you to go into the crowd and into these groups of fifties and hundreds and I need you to break off the bread and you to break off the fish just as I broke off the bread and I broke off the fish for you. You are to break off the bread and you are to break off the fish for them. Jesus had a plan. We have developed a plan for our future at this church. Soon you will begin to hear about a new ministry being implemented here that we will call the Care Ministry Network. Now, you've heard us talk about it a little bit last year. We initially were going to call this the Lay Pastors Network. And we had an entire weekend's training where nearly 100 people were trained in this. And nothing has changed in this ministry, but we are going to change the name. We're going, not going to call it Lay Pastor Network. We're going to call it Care Ministry Network. I, I just thought, and I've talked to some others, and I just thought that some people might get a little bit confused when somebody calls them and says, I'm your new lay pastor. Oh, you're not my pastor. My pastor's tall, dark, and handsome. That's not you. <laughs> pastor Benson's my pastor. What do you mean you're my pastor? Oh, in order to not have confusion, we changed the name from the Lay Pastors Network to Care Ministry Network, and it just fits better for us anyway. Because yes. we're the grace place, or we'll be. Caring people, caring for people. So it will be a care ministry network. And basically the care ministry network is the same principle that Jesus showed us in this story. We already said it. Jesus said to his disciples, organize the crowd. Jesus said, break them down into smaller groups. Jesus said, hey, we cannot, we cannot work with this big mass of people. There's no way we can work one-on-one -on -one with 5,000 families. It's too big of a crowd. Jesus, Jesus said, hey, guys, I cannot personally feed 5,000 families by myself. So let's organize this crowd and let's get them into smaller groups where we can take care of them better and give them more personal attention. And disciples, Jesus said, I need your help in order to pull this off. That's what the Care Ministry Network is going to be all about. Now I don't have time this morning for details. But let me give you the Care Ministry uh, in a nutshell. Every single family in this church who is a faithful attender will be assigned a care minister. And this care minister will be a lay person. Say lay person. 
This care minister will be a lay person in this church. And this care minister will care for the people in his or her care group. Now that doesn't mean I don't care for you. A pastor don't care for me anymore. He's passed me off to somebody else. Don't be ridiculous. I care for you so much, I want to make sure you are cared for. And I can't personally care for over 500 people who will turn into over 1,000 people in the next couple of years. If we get prepared. All by myself. Now, I could be selfish and say, you know, man, we'll just stop right here because this is all I can take care of. And, you know, I don't want anybody else, you know, it's all me. No, I care about you so much that I'm going to get you a care minister. Now, your pastor and pastoral staff will still do crisis care. See, that's, what it's, that's all that's ever been done anyway. Any church over 75, all they do is crisis care. They don't do uh, ministry or pastoral care. There's no time for it. The, in, in, in almost every church, all that you get is, is, is crisis care. Whoever is in crisis, they get the attention. And then once that crisis passes, somebody else gets a crisis and they get the attention. But you don't just need crisis care. You need pastoral care. You need ministry care. You need constant care. And so we will need lay ministers to help us do that. They will call you when you miss church, not to chastise you, but just to let you know that they noticed that you weren't there. They missed you and want to make sure if somebody's sick, they want to know about it so they can pray. There'll be several things that they will do. Don't have time to go in detail today, but there are several things that they will do to help care for the people in their group. Caring people, caring for people. And as the church grows, more care groups will be added and there will be more needs for more uh, care ministers that can minister uh, to these care groups. You see, as the church gets bigger, we must also get people assimilated into smaller groups so that they can get connected and they can get cared for. Now, we're going to talk much, much more about this as time goes on and as this new ministry comes into being. But let me say this this morning. This is not just another program. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is not just another program. This is the program. It's not just another program. This is the program. This must become a part of our church's DNA as we become the grace place where caring people care for people. Notice the last lesson that we can learn from Jesus about preparation that's found in the story of our text. Delegate the work. Jesus didn't do all the work that day. Jesus didn't say, hey guys, sit back and watch me do my thing. It wasn't a one-man effort that day. Jesus delegated the work. Jesus expected his disciples to do everything that they could. And only after his disciples did everything that they could, only then did Jesus do what they could not do and only he could do. 
Jesus used the disciples to go and discover what they had. He used the disciples to count the crowd and help determine what they needed. He used the the disciples to organize the crowd and get them into smaller groups. And after Jesus prayed and began to break the bread and the fish, he used the disciples to continue breaking the bread and fish and to distribute it to the people. You see, if the church is to be effective, if the church is to grow to any significant size, there must be delegation of the work of the church. There must be lay people that will step up. There must be lay people involved in significant ministry. The care ministry network will be a lay person led and lay person driven ministry. And this morning I want to introduce to you our care ministry directors. Ricky and Patty Moffat, will you stand and just turn around so the congregation can get a good look at you guys today. Thank you. Now Ricky and Patty Moffat, they're, they're relatively new to our church. They're not new to the kingdom of God. They're not new to ministry. They're not that new to our church, actually. They've been around for quite a while now. But they're relatively new to our congregation. But these are some incredible people. I, I, my heart knit with them the moment I met them. Hallelujah. Just something about these people. They're genuine. They're real. They love God. They have a heart. For God, they have a heart for ministry. And, 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 and they just want to, to, to be involved in this care ministry. And they're, they're going to lead this ministry. Now, they have a leadership team in place, and, and they've been working hard. You haven't heard anything about it. You didn't know much about it, but, but there's been a leadership team in place, and they've been working hard for the past few months, and they're going to be working even harder in the future. And you're going to be hearing much more about them and from them in the near future. The word from God for the year 2013 is preparation. There are two things that we need to prepare this morning. First of all, we need to prepare our hands. But not only do we need to prepare our hands, but we also need to prepare our hearts. If we are truly to become the grace place, then we must all prepare our heart. Now, every person that I have told the new name to has been totally impressed. I I can't tell you some of the things that people, wow, the grace place, wow, awesome. The problem with becoming the grace place and the greatest obstacle for us to overcome in order to become the grace place is our heart. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 says, The human heart is most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Wow. Now that's encouraging. (laughs) Evidently, Jeremiah didn't receive sensitivity training. 
Let me give you five things that we need to do in order to prepare our heart to become people of grace. I only have time to hit and run on these points this morning, but we're going to do that real quickly. The first thing we need to do is examine. We need to examine. Examine our heart. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Oh, the psalmist said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. If we're going to prepare our hearts, we must first start by examining our heart. And we shouldn't stop with our own eyes. But we should get God involved. We should pray as David prayed, you search my heart, God. You examine my heart, God. You reveal to me what's really going on inside there. What is it is really in my heart. And as you examine your heart, the second thing you ought to do is expect. Jeremiah said that man's heart is more deceitful than anything else. Now to deceive means to trick, it means to lie about, it means to con. Your heart is tricky. Your heart is deceptive. Your heart is a con. If you have the guts to truly examine your heart and ask God to examine your heart, You need to expect and be ready for the fact that there is something in your heart that should not be there. It's there. It's there. In Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23, Jesus said, For from within, out of a person's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these vile things, Jesus said, come from within. If you are willing to examine your heart, be ready. You might as well expect it, especially if you get God involved in the process. He will find something. I guarantee you there's not a person in this room today, not even one, including myself this morning. There is not even one of us today. If we were to say, God, shine a spotlight on my heart. God, examine my heart. God, reveal something in my heart that ought not be there. I promise you God will find something in every single heart here today. Now, it might be lust, it might be greed, it might be prejudice, it might be unforgiveness, it might be pride, and the list goes on and on and on. Hey, let me give you a clue. Let me give you a clue that something just might be in your heart that shouldn't be. The clue is, answer this question. What's coming out of your mouth? What is coming out of your mouth? Jesus said in in, in Matthew 12 and 34, what is in your heart will escape through your mouth. 
See, you think you can hide what's in your heart. You cannot hide what's in your heart because whatever is in your heart is going to escape through your mouth. What you continually talk about is a clue to what is going on in your heart. What you are continually talking about is a clue to what has captured your heart. Pastor, could you please stop talking about your kids and grandkids, please? No. I can't. I cannot. It is impossible because they have captured my heart. And what has captured your heart, amen, will come out in your mouth. Third thing we should do to prepare our heart, excavate. Now to excavate means to dig down deep. It means to get below the surface. See, see, just a little quick peek into, in, into our heart might lead us to feel pretty good about ourselves. Yeah, it looks pretty good in there. Yeah. Yeah, it looks good. It looks all right. Things might look good on the surface. But if you dig down through a few layers, you might find something buried. And it's been there for so long that time and dust and debris has built layers and covered it up. Perhaps it's so far down in your heart and you have ignored it for so long you hardly even know it's there. Or perhaps you have lived with it so long that it has just become a part of your personal DNA and you have come to embrace it and accept it. Perhaps you need to excavate and dig down through some layers and see what's really down there. And the fourth thing you need to do is expel. See, it's not enough to discover whatever evil there is in your heart. Once you make the discovery, expel. Throw it out. Get rid of it. And once you get it out of your heart, put a sign at the opening of your heart that says, No trespassing! And the last thing to do in preparing your heart is exclude. From this day forward, make your heart a very exclusive place. Make the membership to your heart club a very exclusive membership. Make the requirements to join your heart club. Make the requirements very, very rigid. Let me give you a very powerful scripture as we close today. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, Guard your heart Above all else. Guard your heart above all else. Why? For it determines the course of your life. 
What's in here? Dictates, determines, directs. I think that's pretty important. The word for 2013 is preparation. God is telling us to prepare. God is telling us to get ready for the future that he has planned for us. God is telling us today, New Bethel, prepare your hands. Prepare yourselves outwardly. Prepare your hearts. Prepare yourselves inwardly. We have the musicians and singers very quickly and very quietly, please. And friend, both are equally important. Everybody stand with me this morning, please. I'm not finished. Stay with me, but please stand. Hear me, New Bethel, hear me, please. Don't, we're not done yet. Hear me, please. If our hands are not prepared, the people who come to the grace place will slip right through our hands. They'll come in the front door and go out the back. And I don't claim to be the prophet or the son of a prophet. I guarantee you people will come through our doors over there. With a new facility, a more modern and up-to-date look, a more relevant name, you know it's amazing everything they have over here at the Highlands now. You know, how many remember when that was just a piece of dirt? That's all it was when I moved here nearly 10 years ago. This piece of raw dirt. It's amazing. And it's, most of it is restaurant, 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 restaurant. How in the world do they build another restaurant? And my joke is when we drive by something, they're building something. I say, I sure hope it's a restaurant because we don't have anywhere to eat. <laughs> I don't care if they build a thousand more restaurants they will get people in the door. Now, the quality of the food and the quality of the service will determine whether or not they come back, but they'll get them through the door. And the grace place, I promise you, I guarantee you, we'll get them through the door. We'll get them in our hands. But if our hands are not prepared, if we're not prepared outwardly, they'll come in They'll say they were ready for me and they'll just keep going out the back door. So we must get our hands prepared. But it's not just our hands that must be prepared, it is our heart. You can think anything you want to and I don't care because I can't change it. After 40 years of ministry, I just discovered I can't change. People are going to think whatever they think. Say whatever they want to say. I can't do anything about it. You can think anything you want. 
You can think, wow, pastor, man, he must have got online and looked for new names and he must have looked in books and he must have talked to people and he must have this and that and something else. And man, he's got this grand scheme. Man, he's really got this grand scheme. Well, let me pause for a minute and say thank you for thinking I'm that smart. Hate to tell you I'm not. Thank you for thinking I'm that innovative. I'm not. And my staff will say, Amen. I'm not. This is a God thing. The grace place is a God thing. God said, call your church the grace place. And if all the grace place is, is a cool name and a more up-to-date name, if that's all it is, who cares? Now, I know some people do, but I really don't. Because I know what's cool today is not going to be cool tomorrow. It's not. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. And so if it is a God thing, and I believe that it is a God thing, if God, in desperate, if God actually wants us to become the grace place, then God, number one, He expects us to be people of grace. And number two, He's going to send us some people that are in desperately in need of grace. And He's not going to send people that are desperately in need of grace to a place that's not filled with people of grace. I remember years ago hearing a pastor who was crying out to God. He was teaching, but he was telling us about crying out to God and asking God, God, why don't you send me some people to my church? And he said, if I've ever heard God in my life, I heard God say, because I love them too much to send them to your church. they'd be in worse shape with they'd be worse off in your church than if they never got in your church I'd hate for God to tell me that God's not going to send us people that are in need of grace if we are not people of grace and let me tell you something this morning I'm going to get out there right on the limb and start sawing the limb. Some of you that think you're graceful, you've got a long way to go. Hey, Mike Benson, you think you're graceful? you got a long way to go, buddy. Good news is we got some time. That's why we're talking about it right now. we got some time to prepare our hearts become people of grace if you're willing this morning to accept this challenge today if you're willing this morning to embrace this word today the word for 2013 is the word preparation if you are willing this morning to let God help you to begin this process of preparation if you're willing this morning to begin to prepare your hands and your hearts if that's you today I want you to come forward this morning and let God begin to start working on you today one-on-one with God right now. One-on-one with God. I'm turning you over to Him right now for a few moments. It's just you and God.
Just you and God right now. Just start crying out to God. Start crying out to God. Lift your hands up. Lift them up and say, God, God, I want you to help prepare my hands. And then talk to God after that and tell Him, God, I need you desperately to prepare my heart. I need you to prepare my heart. One-on-one with God, just you and God. I'm going to shut up. It's just you and God for a few moments.